Hello, and welcome to After Unified, the podcast that's a party in the bow, business in the stern. I'm Emily. I'm Sarah. Um, I don't know how qualified you are to talk about boats. Not at all. I had to Google bow and stern. I see. I've definitely been taught the difference. Don't retain that knowledge ever. Um, if I remember correctly, <laughs> the bow is the front and the stern is the butt. Sure. I believe you. I think there's something called aft and starboard. Yeah, starboard is right. Why can't they just say left and right? Because it's a boat. And rules don't apply on the sea. Or they could call it boat left and boat right. I mean, if it's like a stage. I mean, if they wanted to. I'm never going to be could. allowed on a sailing ship. Um, Welcome back, campers. Today, we're going to head out to the docks and learn about boats. Or one <laughs> boat specifically. What What was the joke that I made when we were trying to figure out to do if this was relevant? And it was like, well, it's basically a big canoe. It is a big canoe. Um, And actually, it's it's... It's more of a hotel than a boat. <laughs> I mean, well, tell tell the good folks who we're, what we're talking about. Uh, if you haven't picked up, for, I mean, I don't know how many boat hotels there are. We're going to talk about <laughs> the RMS Queen Mary. The world's biggest canoe. The world's biggest canoe. Uh, one of the most luxurious ocean liners to ever sail the, I think, only like three seas. And notoriously haunted. Oh, yes. Which is kind of like it's... It's not like its only thing. It's it's kind of like the Winchester Mystery House. We're like, yeah, ghosts are like a big part of it, but also look at that nice couch. I feel like it's definitely like part of the brand. Uh yes. Um but like I think it would it would still be successful even if it wasn't haunted. Oh yeah, um, cuz it's a hotel on a boat. It is a hotel on a boat. And like and a it's- nice boat. <laughs> It was a nice boat for the 1930s. All right, so my sources. A lot of information from queenmary.com. Uh, it was it was very oh, helpful. Handy. And I would assume that they uh, did their research. Wikipedia, uh, Britannica, usghostadventures.com, which is not affiliated with the Travel Channel show Ghost Adventures. The Travel Channel, sci-fi.com, legendsofamerica.com, travelandleisure.com, and thelittlehouseofhorrors.com. Um, That's quite a wide variety of sources, Emily. Well, here's the thing. She was a boat first. A boat who did, like, actual, provable, researchable things. And then there's ghost stories, which I know that you know are notoriously hard to research. Yeah, weirdly so. Unless you want to go to, like, weird, like, green text, black background websites. Oh, I was on a lot of those. And actually, I... Would like to shout out two other podcasts, which probably don't need me to shout them out. Um, Spooked, um, mostly from a vague memory I had of an episode that they did that's still behind a paywall. It was a good one. I remember it was that a, one. It was an amazing episode. That's why I got so excited about this, and then I couldn't listen to it. Um, it's a they interview Daniel Noah um, from Spectre Vision, uh, and I can't remember what his podcast name is. Not important. Great story. Uh, and then Lore. Lore did a Queen Mary one. Yes. Uh, and oh. then re-released it uh, with updated stuff. Oh, cool. But what, what Aaron Mankey did for me there, because I knew all the stories by the time I'd listened to it, but uh, somewhere in his research, I don't know, he has people, I guess. He managed to find actual names that I could use to find stories 
to like back up some of the ghost stuff. So that was that was very helpful. Well, thank you to Aaron Mankey for uh, having your people do your do our research for us. The names were helpful Uh, in one story specifically because I was really interested in it and I just could not find like a name to start with because it's all vague. Anyway, the research was done. We're going to talk about the fucking ship now. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Tell me the story of the boat, Emily. So located in Long Beach, California, which is about 40 minutes from Universal Studios and like 30 minutes Mm. from Disneyland, if you need a more specific point of reference. Yes, that's helpful. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, It's 40 minutes from LA, 30 minutes from Anaheim. Uh, The Queen Mary is a former luxury passenger ship from the 1930s turned warship, turned passenger ship again, turned hotel, event venue, restaurant, Halloween attraction, paranormal hotspot. Wow. What a career. She is... Everything and Carnival Cruises is just Ken. <laughs> Topical. In all seriousness, kind of undermines my usage of the word seriousness when I say it like that. Um, we've all been there. Yeah. Uh, this is one of the closest things we have to experiencing the, the vibes of being on the Titanic without, you know, dying. You know, so time travel, I guess. Yes. <laughs> I, neither of those things are, are really doable. Um, I mean, death is very doable, Emily. Not in a way that would put me closer to the Titanic. I guess if I, like, I'd have to make some very specific choices. So the the Queen Mary was built for speed and luxury at the same time, which she very much accomplished, and also picked up some spe- spectral hitchhikers in the process. Um, so I guess I'm going to warn you that I got into the ship like I got into the inner workings and history of lighthouses. <laughs> Oh, delightful. So, like, the ghosts almost became, like, and also. Oh, and um, ghosts. Yeah, so let's get into the construction of this big old beautiful ghost boat. Hell yeah. Uh, So the story starts with a British shipping and cruise line company called Cunard Line. Oh, yeah. Lusitania. Yeah. uh, I also discovered, as I wrote my notes, uh, that Cunard Line is owned by Carnival Cruises now. (laughs) Which I did not know when I wrote that joke from, like, 30 seconds ago. I didn't know that they were still around. Carnival Cruises or Cunard? Like- Cunard. I just assumed they were, like, defunct. Well... But I guess it makes sense that they would have been acquired at some point. Yeah, we'll, we'll kind of get into it. Um, so back in 1929, Cunard was looking to spice up its current fleet of aging ships, and they began plans to design a new pair of super ocean liners to replace the uh, Mauritania, the Aquitania, and the Berengaria. And the Lusitania. And I think the Lusitania was still hanging around. Oh, okay. For a little... What year is this again? Sorry. 1929. Oh, oh, God, no. The Lusitania, very much at the bottom of the ocean. Oh, okay. We'll we'll do a mini on that later. Um, Anyway, so they wanted to add uh, two new ships to their North Atlantic route, which went from um, Scotland to New York. That's not a bad route. I'd go that route. This connects two pretty cool places. Well, this is after the Titanic as well, so we've kind of learned some things. Oh, yeah. Um, so apparently planning a boat takes a lot of time because construction on what would become the Queen Mary, uh, known at that point as Job 534, didn't actually begin until December of 1930 in Clydebank, Scotland. It's probably not pronounced Clydebank. It's probably pronounced Clidbonk or something. <laughs> Clidbonk, yeah. <laughs> the beautiful Scottish city of Clidbonk. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's a, uh, I think it's a uh, Celtic name. 
if you're good with history or dates, you'll know that uh, 1930 was kind of a shitty time for the economy. Oh, oh, yeah, a little bit. I mean, sort of. Yeah. Uh, As such, midway through 1931, work was halted on the ship because of the Great Depression and an inability to secure any more bank loans. Um, At the time of the shutdown, the whole plating was 80% complete, and the ship stood nine stories high, which is pretty fucking big for a boat at that time. Ships are so big. This is why, like, I mean, I could never go on a cruise for several reasons, um, but one of them is just, like, the ships are too big. <laughs> Can't do uh, it. Too big. Not, um, don't like it. I don't know. I, I, well, if I hadn't been 14, I think I would have enjoyed the cruise that I went on, but I was 14 and a shithead, so I don't think I, like, used that time on that Royal Caribbean cruise. Yeah. You know, I, I stayed in the room and watched movies and stuff, like, I... I regret. I have regrets. Oh, so you kind of just made yourself miserable on purpose. Oh, yeah, because I was 14 and on a family vacation. What do you want from me? <laughs> I did like the, the buffet situation, though. <laughs> Going back you, to that. You do, you do enjoy your buffets. I like selection. It means I don't have to make any decisions. That, I mean, I, I get where you're coming from. It's the freedom. It's the not having to, like, I'm going to have a chicken sandwich, I guess. And if it sucks, well, damn. Then you're out of luck. <sighs> so stupid (laughs) all right so uh after over a year of the ship sitting in a dry dock uh cunard applied to the british government for a loan to complete the project and the loan was granted um with enough money to complete the unfinished ship and also build a second ship to provide a two ship weekly service to new york and i would encourage everyone to play a little drinking game called when emily says ship you take a sip i mean it'll make the ghost stories spookier by the time we get to them yes sure that's it, it, ship zip is the name of this uh, camp game that we are playing. Yeah, ship zip, the classic camp game. <laughs> Take a swig of your bug juice. I guess like a, a sidebar mini. Um, do you know what the fuck bug juice is? I don't. I never went to camp. Well, I did, and I still don't know what it is. I feel like there's a Disney Channel movie. Oh, uh, there was a show. There was a show called Bug Juice. Um, that's what it is. Yeah, that's like my one cultural like example that I can point to. Oh, it's it's fucking Kool-Aid. Oh. Uh, according to Wiktionary, um, noun, bug juice. Uncountable. <laughs> no plural. Bugs juice? Anyway, bug. it's an artificially flavored fruit beverage made from a powdered concentrate and water that is often served at American residential camps. American residential camp sounds like you're torturing children. That's much more sinister, yeah. Than sleepaway camp. Anyway, that's what bug juice is. Now, all the campers know, we clearly don't serve bug juice at Camp Afternoon of Vodka. We only serve Flavor-Aid at Camp Afternoon of That's grim. <laughs> what do you want? <laughs> We're talking about a boat with dead people on it. <laughs> so one condition of the loan, you know, this very exciting thing that we interrupted by talking about juice. Um... <laughs> One condition of the loan was that Cunard would have to merge with White Star Line, another British shipping company that had fallen on hard times. The of Titanic fame. Oh, interesting. It, were you not a Titanic kid? Um, I was. I I wasn't like a building and a history of the Titanic kid. Although I think I might be a building and a history of the Titanic adult. Um, after <laughs> doing the research for this episode, I just liked the idea that there was old shit at the bottom of the ocean. Yeah, that's fair. 
Um, I got way too into, t- into Titanic when I was like in third grade. And so like I had a book all about it, like all the engineering specs. And then of course, like all the social stuff too, about like the different classes and what the first class cabins looked like and what they had for dinner and like all of that. Oh, I do love that shit. White Star Cunard. Like that's just all stuff like <laughs> that is in my brain forever because I've learned too much about ships from Discovery Channel specials. <laughs> yeah, I think that's when I was going through uh, my... Uh more like ancient Egypt phase. So like all of the stuff that you just mentioned, but in the desert. <laughs> right. Yeah, that makes sense. Because like I I had an interest in ancient Egypt. I don't feel like I ever went through like a hard phase. Oh, the, I got like way into it. Those books from the library that just had the big pictures with the labels and stuff. Oh, I'd love those. Oh, man, I'd love those as an adult. Um, okay, so... Yeah, they had to merge with the White Star Line, which had also fallen on hard times and was also Cunard's uh, British rival. Chief British rival. I guess they had was rivals. Was Cunard an American company? No, they were also British, but oh. they had, I guess, uh, rivals in different countries. Got it. And that was just their big one in Britain. That yeah, that sense. was their main like British one. Um, so both parties agreed and the merger was formed on May 10th, 1934, and work on the Queen Mary resumed immediately. And she was launched on September 26th, 1934. Happy birthday. Uh, completion took about three and a half years and cost 3.5 million pounds or 17.5 million. In today's money, that is equivalent to a lot. $382,823,383. Yikes. It is a lot of money, but bitch was stacked. I mean, from everything I've heard, she was a real nice boat. Yeah, we got activities, dining areas, big ass pools. You gotta say it like um, Stefan from. Mm. Oh, yeah, man, I can't. I have to cover my mouth. Um, this <laughs> Long Beach's hottest nightclub is the Queen Mary. This ship has everything. <laughs> and that's that's all you're gonna get out of me. You do a much better impression than I do. So I love Stefan. <laughs> That was, like, one of my first, like, real experiences with Bill Hader, and, like, imagine my <laughs> surprise when I found out he was hot. Oh, so cute. Mm. So, yes, uh, we're gonna go over some of the features of this boat, which I know Sarah is going to enjoy based on her Titanic nerddom, and, yeah. Love boat features. Oh. <laughs> so some of the facilities available on board were two indoor swimming pools, beauty salons, libraries, children's nurseries for all classes of passenger. Ooh. A music studio and lecture hall, uh, telephone connectivity to anywhere in the world, outdoor paddle anywhere tennis in courts. The world. I know. Tennis courts? This boat had tennis courts? Dog kennels. Well, yeah, you gotta bring your dog. <laughs> the largest room on board was the first class main dining room, which spanned three stories in height. My God. The size of the building I live in. <laughs> Uh, the ship had air-conditioned public rooms, and the first-class swimming pool facility was over two decks in height. Jeez. She was also the first ocean liner to be equipped with a Jewish prayer room, uh, part of a policy to show that British shipping lines avoided the anti-Semitism evident in Nazi Germany. Because it was She's 1934. Inclusive. She's inclusive. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we were kind of having a little bit of a Nazi problem. A little bit. Like, just a Just a one. smidge. Uh, so the first class main dining room, you're going to love this, genuinely. Uh, the first class main dining room featured a large map of the transatlantic crossing with tracks oh. symbolizing the winter spring route, which traveled further south to avoid icebergs, and the summer autumn route, 
During each crossing, a small motorized <gasps> model of the Queen Mary would travel along the mural to show the ship's progress. I would park my chair in front of that <laughs> goddamn board, and I would just watch it the whole trip. Uh, let me see if I can find you a picture of it. I, I do genuinely love that. That's my favorite activity on planes. <laughs> the last international flight I was on, I literally didn't watch a movie. I just had the thing up the whole time, and I listened to podcasts and watched other people's movies. Yeah, that's how I saw um, uh, that Whitney Houston movie, and then that one where Steven Spielberg was sad that his parents got a divorce. Um, <laughs> that one, I can't remember the name. Pe- other people's movies on planes are just way more interesting. It's yeah, I was. Facts. I literally had a movie on at the same time, but I was like watching Whitney and Fast and Furious. All right, are you ready to have your mind blown? Yes. I want one of these in my house. Hopefully the little model of your house that would prefer- that would presumably be on it doesn't move. <laughs> Wouldn't would stay still. Unless you're the old man from up. <laughs> I mean, I guess you could like chart the like um changing or like the going around the you know how the earth goes around the sun. Oh, just yeah. for my house going around the sun. You want like a large scale Weasley clock. <laughs> yes. A, a beauty like this ship couldn't just be called 534. She wasn't a French prisoner. Like, she needed a name. Uh, so legend has it that the board of directors at Cunard decided to name the ship the Queen Victoria, which would have been in keeping with the tradition of Cunard ships having names that ended in IA. The Mauritania, the Aquitania, the Lusitania. Yes. Um, so as per protocol, the Cunard directors went to ask King George for his blessing to name the ship after his grandmother. They said... And I quote, we have decided to name our new ship after England's greatest queen, to which Uh, the king replied, quote, my wife, Queen Mary of Tech, would be delighted that you were naming the (laughs) ship after her, which is the cutest fucking thing ever. (laughs) I love that. That is a man who had the umbilical cord cut. No, no, no worries about getting a mama's boy with that one. So while this was very cute, uh, it also kind of threw off the whole naming scheme. But once the literal queen of England thinks you're naming a ship after her, you can't really like walk it back. There's no take takes back, takey backies. No. So it was going to be the Queen Mary. I mean, that's a good ship name. I think Victoria is probably a slightly better name, but I mean. It sounds more regal, but the Queen Mary is a more accessible ship. Like she's a fun ship. She's the Mitch. She's the midge of ships. <laughs> I personally prefer the Allen of ships. Uh, it's sensible. <laughs> responsible. Responsible. All of Ken's close fit. <laughs> it's just a good <laughs> ship. Good, reliable ship. Um, so company officials have denied this story and have uh, ever since author Frank Brainard published in his 1947 book, Lives of the Liners. So Frank heard the story, published it in his book. The company was like, that's not what happened. But, but some support for this story was provided by Washington Post editor Felix Morley, who sailed as a guest on the Cunard line on Queen Mary's maiden voyage. Uh, in his 1979 autobiography, Morley wrote that he was placed at a table with Sir Percy Bates, chairman of the Cunard line. Such British man names. Um, Bates told him the story of the naming of the ship, quote, on the condition that you won't print it during my lifetime. <laughs> That's what I would do. Look, I will share the tea, but you can't spill it until I'm dead. <laughs> uh, the story was finally proven in 1988 when Brainard attended the same dinner party as Eleanor Sparks, daughter of Sir Ashley Sparks, who'd been with Bates during the conversation with George V. 
She confirmed the story, repeating the exact anecdote that Reynard had published in his book. I like that. That's also like one of those stories where even if it wasn't true, it's just more fun to believe that it is. Yeah. And also it makes sense that, um, well, I guess they could have just named it the Queen Mary after the, because they applied to the government to get money, but also it wouldn't have been the king. It's a fun story. So yeah, that's what happened. Cool. I love it. Like I said, on, on May 27th, 1936, the newly named Queen Mary embarked on her maiden voyage, traveling from Southampton, England, I'm sure that's how that's pronounced, to New York City with a stop in Cherbourg. Cherbourg, yeah. Cher- Cherbourg, France. Standard Titanic route. <laughs> the voyage took about five days, or five days, five hours, and 13 minutes, if you want to be exact, according to the Queen Mary website. <laughs> uh, on the day the ship was launched, a well-known English psychic... Lady Mabel Fortescue Harrison, ah, who is my next D&D character for sure, uh, allegedly predicted in an interview with a newspaper, quote, the Queen Mary will know her greatest fame and popularity when she never sails another mile or carries another fair paying passenger. Interesting. It's oddly specific. It also could be made up, but oh, again. Oh, for sure. I'll believe it. It's fun. It's a cool story. It's a weird thing to say. <laughs> I mean, I guess you could also be uh, alluding to, like, a sinking. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She could have just been being creepy. Like, yeah, if you were trying to, like, make a prediction about a new ship, you'd be like, well, the most interesting thing would be if it sank. So (laughs) we're going to write some fan fiction. Uh, So for, you know, old-timey fan fiction is just, like, Dante's Inferno, right? Like, (laughs) yeah, good old Bible fan fiction. Yeah. Um, So for three years after her maiden voyage, the Queen Mary was the grandest ocean liner in the world, carrying Hollywood celebrities. I love how articles say, like, Hollywood celebrities, like, uh, carrying celebrities like Bob Hope and Clark Gable, uh, royalty like the Duke and Duchess of Windsor, and dignitaries like Winston Churchill. Ooh. Mm. Uh, In addition, the Queen Mary became known for its speed. In 1936 to 1937, on her sixth voyage... Uh, and again, in 1938 19- through 1952, the ship held the Blue Riband. That's Riband. Riband. Uh, Riband. Uh, for fastest average speed while crossing the Atlantic. So there was only record. one year when some French ship, I think called the Normandy, held that record. And then they fitted the Queen Mary with like some new kind of propeller or some boat shit that I didn't nice. understand. And then she got faster. Well, yeah, I always got to beat the French. Especially if it's a British cruise line. Yeah, it's just the, I was going to say American way, but no, definitely the British way. It's the British way. Always wound up being the French. (laughs) But when the Queen Mary docked in New York in September of 1939, that would be the last time she would carry civilian passengers for many years. I wonder why. As World War II started, it was all hands on deck, literally. Uh, And the Queen Mary's transformation into a troop ship began. Uh, She was painted a sad camouflage gray color known as navy gray and was stripped of her amenities. Uh, Inside, the stateroom furniture and decorations were removed and replaced with triple-tiered wooden bunks. Did they keep the big map? Um, I believe the big map is still, it's, it's still in the ship, so yes. That is great to hear. That's really all I care about. Yeah, uh, all of the pictures of the big map, um, appear to be fairly recent. It's a good map. Uh, <laughs> Damn good map. Dubbed the Grey Ghost because of her stealth and color, the Queen Mary Ooh. was the fastest and largest troops ship to sail. 
She could reach a top speed of 32.5 knots, which was faster than many German U-boat torpedoes. Handy. And was capable of transporting more than 15,000 soldiers at a time. Yeah, I believe her original capacity for, like, comfortably arranged passengers was, like, a thousand. Oh, God. So they, like... Oh, they packed they those really bitches in like sardines. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's all like bunks and... Yeah, Travis was on a, a naval boat. Um, Briefly, he's too tall to be on a boat. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, he said that he couldn't lay in his bunk and turn like turn onto his side because there wasn't enough room. They had them stacked so tight. Oh, my God. Oh, I'm claustrophobic just thinking about yeah. it. I can never yeah. do that. Um, so one trip in 1943 set a record for carrying the most passengers, which was 16,683 people, uh, 943 crew members, and 15,740 troops. That is impressive. Yeah, if I remember correctly, they were bringing troops over from America. So it was still doing, like, its route, but it was picking right. up soldiers instead. Uh, it's time to be serious for a minute. Oh, no. We're bad at that. Um, in October of 1942, the ship was involved in an accident near Ireland when it collided with the escort ship, the HMS uh, Curacoa. The Queen Mary was some 20 times larger, and it sliced through the cruiser, which sank. Ooh, yikes. Nearly 340 crew members on the Curacoa were killed because the Queen Mary couldn't stop and help doing, due to being a potential target, which would endanger the thousands of troops she was carrying. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. That's a so, bummer, though. Um, haunting reports not completely unfounded. N- no, I would say I would say that's a reasonable uh, reason for a haunting. So, so back to its service in the war. Uh, Adolf Hitler uh, allegedly, you know that one, uh, allegedly oh, yeah, offered a sizable reward. I don't know why I put Adolf Hitler. Like we all know, it wasn't like Stephen Hitler. Oh, that you know that other Hitler. That, that other Hitler. So yeah, uh, he uh, offered a sizable reward to any German U-boat commander who sank the Queen Mary. Um, however, according to reports, the ship was never even fired at. Ooh, good ship. Yeah, and as if as if that wasn't a compliment enough, uh, during the war, uh, Winston Churchill sailed across the Atlantic for meetings with Allied forces uh, on several occasions, and Churchill would later remark that the Queen Mary had shortened the war by a year. Nice. Yeah, she's a war hero, like like Hans, the <laughs> war hero. Yes, the war hero that definitely didn't get eaten. <sighs> How many times do I have to tell you that they did not turn clever Hans into marshmallows? <laughs> many more times. God. At the close of the war, the ship began to transport more than 22,000 war brides and their children to the United States and Canada, uh, known as Bride and Baby Voyages, which honestly sounds like the worst <laughs> cruise on the planet. That... Yeah, would be miserable. That's too many babies for a ship. Well, it it definitely sounds like a cruise that caters specifically to babies and bachelorette parties. <laughs> that wouldn't be a great mix of so loud. <laughs> Lots of crying and then woo. <laughs> yeah, all day it's just babies crying and then from like 8 p.m. onward it's woo. <laughs> And to this day, you can still hear the sounds of Stephanie yelling shots. Uh, No, anyway, so she made 13 of these voyages and in 1946 was finally allowed to return to her former life as a luxury passenger ship. Huzzah! She made it through the war. This is her reward. (laughs) Uh, Bachelorette parties. Following a much-needed remodel, the ship made its first post-war commercial voyage in July of 1947. Uh, it enjoyed a huge popularity until the 1960s and even added new routes, including a Mediterranean cruise. 
Ooh. However, uh oh. The increasing pop. You know the ship is still there. Like she does. She's not gonna blow up. Are you sure? It's like watching the crown. Like you know what happens. Uh, the increasing popularity of air travel kicked off the end of an era for the Queen Mary on other ships like her. Oh right, planes. Yeah. By 1965, the entire Cunard fleet was operating at a loss, and they decided to retire and sell the old girl in 1966. I do wonder, do they still do, like, cross-Atlantic boats? Yeah. Yeah, my mom was just telling me about one that was, like, 450 bucks a person, and you spend 11 days at sea and go from uh, Florida to England. Sounds awesome. You I mean, just said you didn't want to be on a cruise ship. <laughs> I mean, for that price, though, that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, that includes all your food and drink. Oh, nice. E- even alcoholic drinks. Yeah, you could really wreck some shit on an 11-day at-sea cruise. Oh, yeah. I'll have my mom get you the details. <laughs> no, I'm I'm never going on a boat. <laughs> but yes, you can still do trans transatlantic cruises. I'm gonna get you on a fucking harbor tour when we eventually make it to Boston. Oh, uh, I I mean I like small boats. I just n- never want to do cruises. I don't want to be out in the middle of the ocean. It is kind of creepy. Yeah, it's it's too much sea. I mean, the Titanic is not going to happen again. It's, it's okay. Well, no, I'm not even afraid of it sinking. It's just like, I don't want to be in the middle of the ocean. So, yes, they sold her in uh, 1966. And I did refer to her as the old girl, but let's see. Um, she was 30. <laughs> so, literally younger than us. But old for a boat. Like, we I also mean, yeah. haven't been through a war. Also true. I mean, we have, but like... Our involvement with the Iraq War and, like, Desert Storm and stuff minimal. was minimal. Uh, on October 31st, 1967, the Queen Mary departed on her fine on Halloween, incidentally. <gasps> Interesting. She was born to be spooky ship. Yep. The Queen Mary departed on her final cruise, arriving in Long Beach, California, on December 9th, 1967. I don't know why it took so long. I mean, I assume they had to go, like, through the Panama Canal and shit, which is a long way. Oh, right! Yeah, because it wasn't going to... Yeah, never mind, you're right. <laughs> yeah. I was like, this bitch did the transatlantic crossing in five days, and it's taking... But yes, they had to go through the Panama Canal. Substantially longer journey, yeah. Y- yes. The the ship uh, then underwent extensive and costly, to the tune of $31 million, uh, renovations... And in 1971, the liner began hosting tours, and by the year's end, a portion of its Museum of the Sea was open to the public. So, like, from the second it got to Long Beach, it was, like, docked. They didn't, like, take it out again. Nope. It it has been in that spot since 1967. Great. Um, in 1972, the hotel began accepting guests, and several restaurants were added. Uh, you can find a lot of walking tours of the Queen Mary on YouTube. Just adds up. Ooh, noted. Uh, make sure, make sure it's a normal one and not a walkthrough of their haunted mazes. <laughs> You're like, wow, there are. Wow, so this many is ghosts. haunted as fuck. Um, Damn, why is no one talking about this? Yeah, just make sure it doesn't have Dark Harbor in the title, and you'll be fine. Gotcha. Um, so uh, during her renovations, uh, Queen Mary's original original professionally manned wireless radio room was removed. Uh, and in its place, an amateur radio room, uh, which was proposed by a Long Beach resident and radio man, Nate Brightman, uh, was created. And now it hosts podcasters. Just wait. Um, and it opened for operation on April 22nd, 1979, with some of the discarded original radio equipment used for display purposes. Uh, the amateur radio station with the call sign Whiskey 6 Romeo Oscar, or W6RO, 
relies on volunteers from local from a local amateur radio club who staff the radio room during most public hours, which I would venture to say would make them not amateur radio people. Yeah, it sounds like they're just running a radio station. Yes. Um, the radios can be used by other licensed amateur radio operators. Uh, in honor of his dedication to the station and the Queen Mary, the wireless room was renamed as the Nate Brightman Radio Room in November of 2007, which I thought Aww, was cute. Yeah, that's sweet. Operating the Queen Mary proved to be challenging, and on several occasions, Long Beach struggled to find people willing to assume control of operations, including maintenance, because it's a it's a big fucking ship. It, yeah. Uh, through the late 1980s and early 1990s, uh, the ship struggled. Fin- I mean, the ship itself didn't struggle financially, but like it was a money pit. Yeah. I mean, I imagine there's like just a completely different level of upkeep you need for like a historical ship. But. Oh, yeah. Um, in 1983, Howard Hughes's Spruce Goose, the world's largest flying boat, <laughs> was installed next to the Queen Mary as an additional attraction. Um, however, the plane was moved to Oregon in 1992, where I can confirm that it still lives to this day as part of the Evergreen Aviation Museum and Water Park. I had no idea you could still go see the Spruce Goose. Yeah. It's uh, about 45-minute drive away. Huh. Uh, and there's a water park. So, Well, next time I visit, you know where we're going. <laughs> we have to go to the Evergreen. I have actually never been. Um, I was never into planes. <laughs> Why would I be? They're kind of boring. Like, it's a metal tube. Like, they don't have, yeah. like, salons like boats have. No, and, like, my dad was really into planes because of, like, war stuff. And he's a dad. And he's a dad. But, like, yeah. There's no... I mean, there's drama with planes. I'm like, you couldn't, you couldn't tell the story of Titanic on a plane. You could, but then it'd be Pearl Harbor, and Pearl Harbor was bad. I was going to say, it's called Top Gun. I've never seen any Top Gun movie. I've watched the first 20 minutes of Top Gun, and I got bored. But I think that's more on me than on Tom Cruise. So he's come up a lot in the last couple weeks. Yeah, can we stop talking about Tom Cruise? Yeah, um, I can't remember who else was in Top Gun. Kenny Loggins. Yeah. Danger zone. Um, So anyway, at one point, Disney purchased the ship with hopes of including it in Port Disney, a huge planned resort um, on the adjacent docks. Uh, The plan was to include an attraction known as Disney Sea, a theme park celebrating the world's oceans. But the plans eventually fell through. And in 1992, Disney gave up the lease on the ship to focus on building what would become Disney's California Adventure. A much better choice. Uh, the Disney Sea concept was used 10 years later in Japan as Tokyo Disney Sea with a recreated ocean liner resembling the Queen Mary named the SS Columbia as the centerpiece of the American waterfront area. Oh, nice. Yeah, Tokyo Disney Sea is uh, dope as hell. I'm biased, but, it, you know. Uh, I did hear reports that they rigged one of the rooms on the ship with, like, trial haunted mansion style antics to see if they could make it work for an attraction but i couldn't find like more information on that that would be quite an attraction there were um original concepts for the haunted mansion that involved like ocean business um they actually explore some of that in the new haunted mansion film is there a haunted boat in the haunted mansion film no but there's a uh like a ship captain ghost Oh, yes, of course. You gotta have a ship, Captain Ghost. Yeah, the Mariner Ghost is, like, a requirement. Um, He's great. Movie's great. Yeah. So the Queen Mary closed in 1992, uh, though it reopened the following year. And the ship also closed, obviously, during the 2020-2022 range. For reasons. Oh, yeah. yeah. Who who even remembers? 
Uh, after the operator filed for bankruptcy, the city took control of the ship in 2021, and it was determined that the Queen Mary needed extensive and costly repairs. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. But don't worry, because the city put in the money, and the ship is open as of April 2023. Oh, fantastic. Welcome back, Queen Mary. Thanks it's to all- the city of Long Beach. It's also only like 150 bucks a night to stay there. That's reasonable. Right? <laughs> like, that is like... It's definitely not like, oh, I need a cheap place to stay on a road trip money, but it's certainly like, I'm going to treat myself to a night at the Queen Mary money. Oh, yeah. Um, And that's during October, which is going to mean something in a minute. Yeah. So this brings us to the haunted portion of our tour. Huzzah! The part everyone's really here. I mean, let's be honest. Before I tell you ghost stories, I have to preface it with a disclaimer. There is a really good reason for people to want this place to be haunted. The Queen Mary operates a number of commercial tours that include a ha- that include haunted attraction experiences such as Dark Harbor, which operated during the Halloween season, and the Haunted Encounters Tour and the Ghosts and Legends Tour, promoted as featuring, quote, terrifying original stories and characters based on the ship's well-known paranormal tales. Yeah, that makes sense. I also like there's generally a lot of real a lot of the really famous haunted places surprisingly offer like are like hotels or like I mean the Stanley does it. And it's like I don't think that like disqualifies them from being haunted. I'm just saying like there there's a correlation between places that are haunted and places that like tourists. <laughs> yeah, so there's a I mean, they're just leaning into it being haunted. It's I believe stories of it being haunted started almost as soon as it docked. Oh, yeah. Like it hit American soil and there were like them ghosts in oh, there. Oh, that that shit's gotta be haunted. Um yeah, and the the tours in the Dark Harbor stuff also came about after people decided the ship was haunted. So, for instance, their walk through Haunted Maze, Dark Harbor, didn't start until 2009. Oh, wow. Um, so draw your own conclusions. Uh, also, Dark Harbor ended in 2019 and is being replaced with a Halloween festival all along the boardwalk and on the ship called Shacktoberfest. Really? Like. Like Shack, like that Shack, like Shack. Oh, I thought like Shack Shack. I thought like shock, like I am shocked. Oh no, because that's a thing that can happen. Like Why? famous basketball man Shack. Did he buy the boat? What? Why? He's just putting on this Halloween thing that's family friendly during the day and like balls to the wall scary shit during the night. I don't know what he's doing, but it looks like he's having fun. <laughs> Look, I'm happy for Shack to do that, but why does it have to be named after him? Because it's fun. Well, it's not because would it's- <laughs> if he had just called it like big super scary Halloween party, you wouldn't give a shit. But since it's called Shacktoberfest, like I had to Google it and like look into it and see how much tickets were. Like, see, you could just tell me that Shack was involved, and I would be more interested. But this is a more direct way of doing so. I don't like it in the name when you put it in the name, though. It just makes it feel like you're making it too much about yourself, unless yeah. about. The reason for the season, Halloween. (laughs) With all of that out of the way, some say the Queen Mary is one of the most haunted places in the world, which I've heard that about a lot of places. I'm starting to sound like John Cusack in 1408, but like I have heard that about a lot of places. Yeah, surprising amount of most haunted places in the world. They're all hotels. It it, it makes sense. Um, It allegedly has as many as 150 known spirits inhabiting the ship, uh, like a little maritime haunted mansion. That's a lot of ghosts. Per square footage, yeah, I would... Let's see. We're gonna do a little bit of uh, ghost math. Are you ready for some 
some stats to like put 150 ghosts into perspective. Emily, you know I love both stats. Oh, they even have a comparison with the Titanic. Ooh. I don't want to pit lady against lady, though. That's not right. The Titanic is smaller, though. The overall length of the Queen Mary is 1,019 and a half feet. Big boat. Um, burr, burr, burr. A lot of stuff about engines. Length of the anchor chain. Not really. Okay, I guess. Not really any gross tonnage. That's the closest thing I have to square footage on this. Let's do this, the, the length. So the let's assume that each ghost has a strip of boat. Yep. A ghost every, like, 12 feet. I have a ghost every 6.7 feet. Didn't you say it was, like, 1,900 feet long? Um, I said it was 1,019 feet. Oh, I wildly overestimated. Yep. Yeah. yeah, about every 6 feet. That makes sense. That's a lot of ghosts. It's a fair amount of ghosts. So maybe, I mean, by square foot, maybe the most haunted place in the world. I don't know. So over the past 60 years, the Queen Mary has been the site of at least 49 reported deaths. Ooh. Yeah. Um, An 18-year-old crew member named John Petter was crushed by a door during an emergency drill in 1966, uh, with another unnamed crew member apparently meeting the same fate at some point. Um, Another crew member died after drinking gin that turned out to be cleaning fluid, which we'll get to in a second. Oh, God. Um, the rest died of probably natural causes or, like, not weird causes, at least. Yeah, I mean, it's a hotel. People die. Accidents. Yeah. And not to mention the psychic scarring that being involved in World War II must have produced. So it's, like, a lot of weird energy in a relatively small place. Yeah, and I probably imagine it picked up a lot of the ghosts from that ship at, like, sink. Oh, we'll get to that. Um, <laughs> believe me, we'll get to that. So, without further ado, here are some stories from the most paranormally active spots on the Queen Mary. Hey. 53 minutes and we got to the ghosts. It was never about the ghosts. I just wanted to talk about boats. <laughs> Everyone loves boats. The first one is stateroom B340 or B340 or however you want to say that. Uh, the stateroom was considered a problem long before the Queen Mary opened as a hotel. In 1948, a British third-class passenger named Walter J. Adamson passed away in the room, uh, although the details of his death are unknown, but there are rumors of a murder being committed. Ooh, but murder most foul? It, it's really hard to find details on that, or anything, other than an article mentioned. Let's not read into that too much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah there's a murder in the room, sure. Uh, it's all fake. Um... In 1966, a woman staying in the room reported that she was woken up when the bed covers were pulled off of her and she saw a man standing at the foot of her bed. Rude ghost. Uh, she, screamed, she screamed and rang for the steward, but the man apparently vanished into thin air. Ooh. Uh, years later, guests staying in the room have reported hearing someone knocking on the door in the middle of the night and seeing bathroom lights mysteriously turn on. Uh, even the hotel's maids started complaining that they would find the bathroom water running even when no one had stayed in the room for days. Uh, one reported that the bed covers were pulled off right after she put them on. Um, people have also reported uh, being like their clothes being pulled on, weird noises, running water, all of that. Standard ghost nonsense, yes. Oh, yeah. Uh, the room was considered so active that it was actually removed from the roster in 1976 and has only been made available for booking again recently. Oh, interesting. When they realized, actually, there's a demand for this. Other guests have heard knocking sounds while no one was inside, the bathroom lights go on and off, and the crew once found a full bathtub, even though no one had been in there for over a week. Oh, I, I don't like that. No, that for some reason really creeped me out. So the, uh, the next uh, paranormal hotspot is the Mauritania Room. 
1989, two women were sent to clean the lounge for a VIP reception. Uh, when they entered the room, they found a passenger sitting in a chair in the middle of the dance floor who didn't say a word. When a third woman came in to help with the cleaning, she remarked that the passenger was staring and she asked him to move. Um, as the employees started to call security, the passenger faded in front of them, um, a feat that all three women reported seeing at the same time. Ooh, that's a good one. Uh, you can now rent this room out for weddings, if anyone is so inclined. I mean, if I'm going to get married, it's definitely going to be somewhere haunted. Yeah, I feel like that's one thing that I kind of, like, missed out on. Like, my wedding venue had, like, it was built in the early 1900s, so, I mean, there's got to be, like, one floating around. I was going to say, it's got probably at least one ghost. I mean, you and Sadie, like, slept there. Nothing to report? Mm, No. Mm. Uh, So our next stop is the Mayfair Room, uh, which used to be the onboard beauty salon, but has since been repurposed as hotel offices. Uh, In 2001, a member of the accounting staff came in at 5.30 in the morning on account of being some kind of work nerd uh, and apparently felt like something was off in the office, including feeling unusually cold while sitting at her desk. To be fair, it was 5.30 in the fucking morning and you're on the water. Yeah, it's like, maybe the heat wasn't on yet. um, Later, she felt someone brush up against the back of her chair, but no one was there. Uh, Just minutes after that, the woman saw a translucent figure in white walk across the room and pass through the door. She grabbed her keys and exited the room until her coworkers arrived. Yeah, that that's on, that's about how I would react. Oh yeah, real or not, like I, I'm gonna need some people around. Oh, yeah. Um. So now we have the first and second class swimming pools, and this is a big one. I feel like I've definitely heard stories swimming po- that are swimming pool related. Yes. Uh, this is the one that came up in that episode of Spooked. Um, this is where they host a lot of, or they hosted um one of their uh, haunted mazes. There's there's lore surrounding it. Um, but they also mentioned it on the episode of lore, but so <laughs> the now abandoned pool was once the height of luxury, uh, with an illuminated fountain, a mother of pearl ceiling and elaborate mosaic tiles. So it was fucking beautiful. I was going to say, that sounds lovely. Yeah. Uh, the pool is no longer in use because of California building codes, uh, but that doesn't stop it from being one of the hotbeds of paranormal activity on the ship because ghosts don't give a shit about OSHA. <laughs> People have reported seeing a number of ghosts here, including a young woman in a tennis skirt walking downstairs and disappearing behind a pillar, a woman in an old wedding gown next to the pool with a little boy in a suit. No, no, they're not allowed to wear wedding gowns. (laughs) With little boys, like the two creepiest kind of ghosts in one shot. Also, a cloud of steam appearing out of nowhere, along with a little girl in a blue and white dress who disappears. These are all top-tier ghosts. I know. They've kept all the good... Like, this is the this is the main stage. <laughs> yeah, it's like, they got all the good ghosts down at the pool. This is the blue-collar comedy tour lineup of ghosts. <laughs> uh, other reports include visitors hearing sounds of splashing, uh, feeling water being sprayed onto their skin, and witnessing wet footprints around the edges of the pool, which, again, is one of the creepier things that you can witness. Yeah, hate that. Uh, one woman even reported feeling a pair of small hands squeeze her around the waist and then shove her when she was in the first-class changing room. Oh. The ship's most... Loved and well-known ghost is that of Jackie, um, possibly named Jacqueline Torin. Uh, she drowned in the second-class indoor swimming pool at the age of four or five and now spends most of her free time calling for her mother and occasionally screaming. Well, she wins. Uh, she's known to be very chatty with guests and is generally considered to be friendly. Uh, she also plays peekaboo with visitors from an upstairs balcony and has a ghost friend, another little girl named Sarah. Oh, that's With sweet. an H. Oh, then I don't give a shit. Uh, there have been several reports of the girls running around and laughing. That's kind of sweet. 
It is. They found friends in the ghost afterlife. I guess they hang out near something called the propeller box, just near the pool. Um, The last captain of the ship, Captain John Treasure Jones, which is a real name of a real man. Amazing. Uh, He can also be heard in the propeller box section of the boat, and smoke from his cigar has been smelled around his favorite hangouts. Hmm. So, captain's quarters, that kind of stuff. Um, I didn't include it because it didn't sound real, which is a weird distinction for this. Um, but people have also reported st- seeing Winston Churchill and smelling cigars uh, oh, yeah. when he was around. I believe that less. Yes. It, the famous ghosts uh, always like... Eh. Always be a little skeptical of those, yeah. Like, why would he choose to haunt that? I guess you can make an argument that if you're a person like Winston Churchill, you have so much just... Oh, what's the word I'm looking energy, for? Energy, like... Yeah, just like energy, like so presence. much presence. Yes, that's the word I was looking for. That you kind of leave traces of yourself everywhere. That is an interesting theory. Thank you. I made it up. I mean, it's all made up. <laughs> all right. Our, our next stop is boiler room number four. Oh. Mm. Doesn't sound like a fun place for ghosts. Well, several people have reported seeing a little girl in this area, sometimes sucking her thumb and sometimes with a doll. Little girl, you were not supposed to be in the boiler room. Get out, go to the pool. Yeah, I can't tell if this is Sarah, the previously mentioned eight-year-old girl. Um... If that's where she hangs out when she's not, like, by the pool. I don't know. That's, like, her house. And she, like, goes on play dates to the pool. Yeah, I kind of hope it is, Sarah, because otherwise that is a lot of dead kids for one boat. Because <laughs> we've heard, what, like, three? I could also see, like, if you were a dead kid just hanging around Long Beach and you realize there's a big boat, I'd go haunt the big boat. So, so, so you're you're implying that they kind of moved in, like, a ghost retirement home. Yeah. Like the concept for the haunted mansion. Like, this isn't... Like, these people didn't die here. Like, they decided to move in. Yeah. That makes sense Okay. Okay. The haunted mansion theory. Others have seen an apparition thought to be that of John Henry. Not that one. A worker who was said to have passed away while on the job, whose remains were discovered on the ship. Uh, my nephew's name is John Henry. Yeah. <laughs> Probably not him, as he's uh, five. Yeah, he was named after the the John Henry. The John Henry, yeah, of course. Our next our next spot is is Hatchdorf number thirteen. Oh, I think I know what this is referencing. It's Hatchdorf number thirteen. Didn't the guy get crushed? Yeah, we're gonna talk about that. <laughs> That's what I meant. Uh, so this hatch door is known as Shaft Alley, which I think is also the name of a male strip club, but. <laughs> Clever. God, can you imagine going to Shaft Alley? Uh, it sounds sticky. Ew! <laughs> Ugh. Ugh. Anyway, it was the site of the aforementioned crushing of an 18-year-old crew member. <laughs> Weird pervert. <laughs> uh, so one night in 1966, the watertight doors in the engine and boiler rooms were ordered to be closed for a test. About five minutes later, John Petter from Yorkshire was found crushed in the door of hatch number Ooh. 13, trapped with his arms pinned to his side. Oh, uh, it was allegedly the result of a little game he liked to play where he tried to see how many times he could Indiana Jones his way through the rapidly closing door. Kid, what the fuck? <laughs> like, I'm not going to blame someone for their own death because that's terrible. But like, come on. Sometimes you contribute. Um, While the man was freed and carried to the hospital ward, it was too late. He suffered injuries to his arms, chest, and pelvis and was bleeding from his nose, which is never a good sign. He died shortly after being rescued. Well, that sucks. That's not a great way to go. No. Uh, His ghost is regularly seen around the area now with people reporting the sound of someone running behind them and whistling. Uh, A night watchman reported approaching the hatch door with his his dog (laughs) co-worker. Uh, the dog refused to move, and the watchman said he could hear a metal door grinding closed. 
Uh, others have possibly made contact with him, including uh, noticing spots of grease that look like fingerprints on their faces. Oh, which, I hate that. Which, yes, that is creepy. However, like you're in a boat. Yeah, I say. I imagine that's very easily. Um, you pick up grease. Yeah, uh, and people touch their face all the time without thinking about it. Still creepy though. Yeah. No, I wouldn't like it if it happened to me. Uh, some have seen a figure of a bearded man in blue coveralls out of the corner of their eye, and several others have said that they saw an engineer wandering the hallways asking if guests had seen his wrench. Uh, but when they went back to find him, he had disappeared. That sounds like a bit from, like, a haunted house thing. Like, you just have an actor dressed up in coveralls, like, asking people walking by if they've seen your wrench. Yeah, you need, like, a punchline for that one, though. Uh, The next one is the Captain's Quarters, which includes a story that is... It's a lot. Uh, So that guy who drank acid thinking it was gin. Oh. That guy. Oh, yeah. Uh, That was second officer W.E. Stark, who died on the ship in 1949. Uh, In ship documents, F.R. Stokes, the captain steward, explained what happened. Sidebar, Stokes is a great name for a ship guy. Oh, yeah. Stark and Stokes. I would trust them with my ship. Um, All right. So quote from F.R. Stokes' notes. I was seated in my room when Mr. Stark came to me and said, Stokes, I am in a bit of a fix. I said, oh, sir, what is it? He replied that the staff captain had given him permission to have a drink of gin and that he couldn't find the bottle. Stokes found a gin bottle, but he didn't know that one of his shipmates had used it to store a cleaning solution. He handed the bottle to Stark and returned to his room. Oh, Jesus. Several minutes later, Mr. Stark came to my cabin again and said, I have drunk some kind of acid. I said, I'm sorry, sir, I thought it was gin. It took Stark three days to die, and to this day, people report a man wandering the hallways around the captain's quarters asking for a drink. Uh, Disembodied choking has also been heard in the area. I don't like any of this. That one is sad. Yeah. Uh, Can you imagine being the guy who, like, handed in the bottle? The guy who put the cleaning solution out. There's, like... Apparently, uh, W.E. Stark was 30 when he died. Oh, God. It was a baby. Yeah. So, uh, remember the big crash where a ship sliced into the smaller ship and left just, like, 350 guys to die? Seems familiar, yeah. Uh, the spirit of the dead crew members of the HMS uh, Curacao, I think that auto-corrected, because that is a type of alcohol. I was gonna say, isn't it Curacao? It's Curacao, but I don't think that was the name of the fucking <laughs> boat. I think auto-correct fucked me on that. Let's see. During the war, Curacoa. Curacoa, yeah. Not booze. No. Be a hell of hell of a good name for a ship, though. Yeah. The HMS Curacoa. Um, they're said to uh, haunt the Queen Mary. I would. <laughs> While working maintenance on the ship, a man named John Smith, I know, uh, claimed to hear the deafening sound of metal ripping through metal and other such noises coming from outside. Uh, there was, of course, nothing there. Um, and apparently this happened to him several times. That would spook me a little bit. Yes. Uh, Others claim to feel as if the ship had just had a collision. Uh, After the thud, they hear screams and wild splashing of water. It's a very visceral haunting. Yeah. Uh, Two ghostly... This is cute, though. Two ghostly soldiers haunt the swimming pool area and have been seen talking to each other and occasionally straightening the clothes of living passengers uh, if the spirits feel they look too unkempt. That's sweet, actually. I like that. Uh, Over the years, there have been hundreds of accounts of activity on board the ship, ranging from encountering a variety of apparitions, smoky and translucent forms, dark shadowy silhouettes, solid, normal-looking people, uh, physical contact, unexplained voices, cold spots, hot spots, power surges, cabinet doors, and furniture moving. Something's probably up with the ship. Yeah, sounds like it might might be the case. But, I mean, 
if you have a place that's that populated that constantly, it, it, some energy is going to get left behind. Like, regardless, that's why hotels always have that feeling. I believe that. It doesn't have to be an intelligent haunting. Sometimes it can just be like the remains of those just people being like there. echoes. Yeah, that's what I think for the most part hauntings are. I don't necessarily believe in intelligent hauntings. I, I, I've said this before. I, I mostly believe in like residual hauntings, right. like something happens over and over again, and the it just kind of stays there. It's kind of like your your little theory with Winston Churchill. Like that's a lot of powerful energy just in one spot. Like you're going to leave traces behind. Yeah, that's like the one kind of haunting I can get behind. But I think that's kind of cool because like maybe someday like someone will be staying at a hotel that I've stayed at, and they'll hear like. The residual energy of me, like... Telling a fart joke. Telling a fart... Really? Is that what you think of me? (laughs) Yeah. Someone is going to be staying at a hotel in Vegas 50 years from now, and they're going to hear me complaining that I didn't get enough orange chicken at the buffet. And it's not because I'm haunting that hotel, it's just because there was a powerful regret. You had so (laughs) many feelings about that orange chicken. Uh, But yeah, that's... That's the that's the Queen huh. Mary. Well, that was a very interesting series of ghost stories. Yeah, the, the ghosts are interesting. I mean, they're kind of like, not generic ghosts. Like, there are some specific ones, but just the wide range of, like, soldiers to little kids to, like, you know, just ladies in tennis skirts walking through the pool. Yeah, like, they've kind of got, like, all their ghost bases covered. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, like a, it's like a ghost buffet. Yeah. You can have a little bit of all of them. I love it. You want a woman in white? We got one. You want a cre- creepy kid? We got one of those too. You want an old man? We got we have several. so many. <laughs> Everyone's favorite kind of haunting, an old man. <laughs> I always imagine them looking like uh sea captains with the big white beards. Oh, yeah. That's I mean Or is are there any other kind of old man ghosts? Uh Willem Dafoe in the lighthouse is also kind of it's like a default picture. Mm-hmm. Maybe something with, like, a big mutton chops. Ooh, like Jared Leto in the Haunted Mansion. Jared Leto was in the Haunted Mansion? Yeah. <laughs> uh, they don't really they don't really use his face too much. It's very CGI, and, like, you can't really tell it's his voice. Uh, like, it's a good performance, but, like, it's very much... You wouldn't know it's Jared Leto unless you were, like, really thinking about it? Yes. They do show pictures of that character when he was alive, though. Spoiler alert. It's a ghost. And they use Jared Leto, but, like, they put these big mutton chops on him, and it's it's great. I would love to see Jared Leto with mutton chops. I bet he could really rock it. I thought it was very, very cute because we did that episode on the Haunted Mansion. So you guys are aware of who Yale Gracie and Rolly Crump are. Yeah. The the men who are basically behind the Haunted Mansion. Um, th- There was a, a Master Gracie of the, of the Haunted Mansion, but they also named Jared Leto's character after Rolly Crump. Oh, that's <laughs> and I thought sweet. that was... It was. I almost cried when I realized. And I'm like, that's weird. Please don't do that. <laughs> If you've stayed on the Queen Mary and have a ghost story, you can tell us uh, at Afternoonified on Instagram or our website, getafternoonified.com. And also email us at afternoonifiedpod at gmail.com. Also on our website, you can find our merch, which we have our special Camp Afternoonified t-shirt and merit badges. Don't forget your merit badges. There's actually, I meant to text you about this yesterday and then I forgot. Um, August 14th to August 20th, there will be a 30% off sale on Redbubble. So you can get all of your Afternoonified merch for 30% off August 14th through the 20th. 
amazing sale. It actually really is. And once again, I will re- uh, recommend the uh, Jeff shirt on the purple classic t-shirt. It slaps. Yeah. You cannot go wrong with Jeff merch. No. Um, you can also pick up your um, Foxy Grandpa radioactive mug. And are we doing Business Daddy? Business Daddy is on hold. <laughs> Business Daddy still has a little ways to go before it's market ready. (laughs) Business Daddy needs to cook a little bit. The Business Daddy design suffers for the fact that I have never seen Succession. (laughs) Um, I I did have a realization the other day. What? Succession is for classy yet funny liberals. Yellowstone, Yellowstone is for Republicans. And the righteous gemstones are for people who like fart jokes. <laughs> <laughs> I think that is a good summary. Oh, sorry. I'm not promoting these. It, there's a strike. I don't know if this counts. Um, no, I can fucking say Yellowstone is for Republicans. Um, anyway, so remember to rate, like, subscribe, review. Uh, and we'll see you next week, campers, for our final uh, campfire. I really lost that camp analogy, like, in my boat haze and then jammed it right back in. You mean, you mean your big canoe face? My big canoe face. This is totally on brand for our cool, weird summer tradition that we decided we have. We went boating and then we heard ghost stories. And then uh, we learned about animals that don't exist. Yes. And now my husband weird. is calling me, so I have to take this. Goodbye, everybody. We're a great camp. Goodbye. For more podcasts like the one you just listened to, go to SoBelowMedia.com. This, this is as above, so below.